It's Sports Arena and it is Extreme Rewind. Your weekly look into the world of Extreme as we look at ECW Hardcore TV from episode one all the way to 401 with every pay-per-view and special in between. But this week we are not looking at Hardcore TV because it is pay-per-view week. You myself, a special Paul, pay-per-view at that. It's a very special pay-per-view. You got myself, Paul, and I'm joined as always by Jay Hayden. Jay. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, I think, uh, you know, if we if we were to go outside the house, we're living dangerously. So we may as well stay in and talk about wrestling from a simpler time. From a simpler time. In 1998, it is the 1st of March from Asbury Park, the convention centre. It is a living dangerously 1998. A big, big pay-per-view in ECW history um, for one moment in particular. But, yeah, what a show to dissect. I've been excited to do this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been the build, hasn't it? It's been <clears throat> quite the, um, the journey to get here. We've had all weird twists along the way. Um, but we are here. We are back on pay-per-view with ECW. Uh, pay-per-view number three? I think over three, maybe four, maybe. Could be number three. I think maybe number four, maybe number four. November to remember, wasn't it? Is that number two? I, 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 I thought we had, we had barely legal, but November to remember, but I remember there being one in between. They had Terry Funk and the triple threat match with Sabu and Shane Douglas. Born to be wired? No. No, it was a week before Born, no, a week after Born to be Wired. Was it Wrestlepalooza? Or was it Wrestlepalooza? Wrestlepalooza 97. Sabu versus Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk. Pay per views 1997. I'm sure it was Wrestlepalooza. Barely legal, hardcore heaven, November to remember. Wrestlepalooza is the next one. Is it? Hardcore Heaven then? It is. Hardcore Heaven. <coughs> Please excuse my cough as we go through this. How are you feeling? You all right? Yeah, I'm getting there. I've got a cold. Just a cold, people. Just a cold. <laughs> Other reasons. <coughs> I know. And podcasts aren't contagious, so do not worry. That is true. Um, so the urge it's... to do podcasts is contagious. <coughs> That is very true. So the show starts with Taz arriving to the building. We follow him all the way into an empty arena as he simply stares around and says, I'm ready. And we've got no reason to doubt him at this point, I guess. Uh, I mean, ready to put the chairs out, ready for popcorn. Ready? Yeah, all of that. Joey Styles is there and he says, buckle up and get ready for the next three hours. We are all going to be living dangerously. Some of us just call that luck. (laughs) But um, yeah, so he's excited. Everyone's excited. We get the intro video like we always do with the pay-per-view twist. So that's very exciting. Um, I've always found ECW's opening matches very, very strange. I'm guessing there was a pre-match, which might have been Sabu Sandman as the actual opening match, by the way, this show's put together. But, um, yeah, the opening match on the pay-per-view is Chris Chetty and Jerry Lynn versus the FBI. I mean, it's just me. I just, modern-day pay-per-views, you tend to have, like, you know, a fairly hot-pop kind of opening match. For example, like Jeff Hardy will generally, they would love to stick him in the main event or the New Day. Or just someone with an intro to get the crowd pumped for the beginning of the show. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll have dark matches. You'll have matches to to warm the crowd up and get them a little bit more vocal. And you know, you don't mind so much if it's not going to get the greatest of reactions, but it just kind of warms them up slightly. And then, as you said, you know, your first match is the one that's going to make everyone jump and loud and energized, and then see how long you can carry that up. So, for instance, you know, you, you're you might have this match we're about to talk as the dark match. 
um, maybe even the next one. And then next, my number three would be potentially your big, you know, get everyone hyped and psyched and ready to go. Exactly. When the music hit, you'd be like, oh, wow. I remember the last uh, pay-per-view, um, who's that British wrestler that they used? He was in the opening match, wasn't he? Jim Powers? No, he's not British. He was in the Wild Stallions with Bull Roma. Um, That's true. <laughs> I can't remember, but his music, he was the first person. And I commented on the last event saying I thought it was strange to have like a debuting star as your opening person. And it's sort of the same again. I mean, it's just like that's just what I'm used to, like modern day. And ECW's always had the whole we announce about three matches, the rest you find out on the night kind of vibe. <clears throat> so it's just saying, I don't know, it's nothingness, but it's just something. Um, Are you just delaying so you don't have to talk about the full blooded Italians versus Jerry Lynn and Chris Chetty? I think so. It wasn't, it wasn't the best opening match. No, and it's funny because we know that Jerry Lynn goes on to have the ability to to absolutely steal the show, and and um, Little Guido is is a very solid wrestler and storyteller. But, um, but the things are all great in their own right. Tracy Smothers is um, you know really entertaining. Get well, Tracy. Um, Chris Chetty and Nova go on to have a great tag team. So all yeah. of them are like yeah. you know fantastic in their own right, but it just a match it just felt like a nothing match and it sort of came across as a nothing match and yeah. um yeah i suppose the ending was um sort of rich was trying to help end up sort of hindering lynn got the pin and chris chet and jerry lynn won and then fbi has a little spat after the match while sort of jerry lynn mocks them walking back to the other round yeah I mean that's basically it isn't it yeah I mean the thing is there's no standout actual bits in the match to really sort of say oh my god this spot that moment it just sort of was a match yeah I mean it was fairly cold it was fairly it was and I felt fine. the crowd were dead for it as well yeah not even in their usual entertaining themselves kind of way No, they, just... they were too busy waiting for everything else that was coming Exactly. Um, we then got a highlight video for a match we weren't getting, which I thought was good. Yep. Um, yeah, so it became Maso Tanaka in his debut against Doug Furness. Um, he was uh, meant to face uh, Yukihiro Kanemura, but uh, that didn't happen. Yeah, was he not? Was he? Did they play that he was paid off not to turn up or something? I think that's the angle they were going with, wasn't that was it? the angle. The WWF lot paid him not to turn up. So Doug Furness stepped in. Um, again, the crowd felt dead for this one as well, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tanaka, I think, was putting a tough point here because um, I thought this was a better match. I thought there were some good spots in it. Nothing, yeah. you know, that you'd, you'd kind of... You know, there's nothing in here I'm going to say you've got to go and watch this piece. Um, but no one knows Masato Tanaka, really. Um, I think he was, he may have, I think he had a match on the on the the card they did from Japan um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, no one really knows him. And uh, Doug Furness, with all of Mr. Wright's stable... Is yeah. re it is yeah, just cold. It's just absolutely there's nothing to it. I mean, it's it's a sad state where an invading WWF stable is just sort of cold, non-heat, boring nothingness. So uh, yeah, but I mean, there's other things in this, and and you know, just how how underwhelming this is is um, hugely apparent at the end of this match. But why is the invading WWF superstar facing someone who isn't in ECW? Why is someone who fr who's from Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling defending the honour of ECW against one of the invading force? WWF don't have any problem with FMW. See, if it was a whole 
this was a big deal for ECW, so WF wanted to ruin it, or you know what I mean? It could have gone like that, and you could have sort of guessed it more. Uh, yeah, paid both of them to go away. Tanaka's refused, and if you won't get out of my ring, I'm going to get you out of my ring, and here comes someone who's going to do that for you, and there's the fight. Yeah. Something. And it was sort of what they were edging towards, but it just didn't do that. It was like a yeah. half story where they just sort of went on saying on the fly. Um, but yeah, well, like you said, not an awful match. I was When I found out it was Doug Furness first in I thought, okay, I'm actually against that. But um, it just didn't didn't really... No. I mean, Furness is, is is steeped in in that Japanese style wrestling, more kind of all Japan than FMW. But you know, he 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 understands how to wrestle a Japanese match. So I was I was I wasn't against it on paper. Mm. It wasn't bad. I'm not. I I I dislike the ending because I dislike this ending every time they do it. And they do it a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was just cold. No, it's not one I'm going to recommend. No. But um, I said I did pick up the win. And um, just a shame this was his debut, really. But uh, Yeah, so Furnace hasn't beat. And Lance Wright continues to tell him to you know pick him up and beat him up and pick him up and hit him with another one and pick him up and do this and pick him up and do that. And then um, Tanaka hits a roaring elbow for the win. Exactly, and after the match, um, uh, Furnace basically says Vince can kiss his ass and puts an ECW shirt on, rejoins ECW, and we all rejoice. It, it's the face turn we've all been waiting for, and this is the thing. You know, this is a big. Um, well, I was going to say it's a big defection from Team WWF. However, in the space of the last however many weeks, they've lost Sabu and. RVD, who have just stopped aligning themselves with them. Yeah. Um, Scorpio Lost came back half for... Not even half a not match. Even. Half, half, half Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's Flash Funk. No, I'm Scorpio. Okay. Um, and now Furnace is gone. I mean, uh, we don't know what that means for Lafon. Um, is the feud now Furnace and Lafon versus Droz and Bracus? Well, this is it. I mean, Droz technically hasn't even wrestled yet. No. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I'd like to find out what happens to LaFont. So that'd be interesting. Um, Jason and Nicole Abbas are out the back. They grabbed Joey. They play the tape, play the tape. Um, we get the big tape of Tommy Dreaver arriving alone in the building. Where is Beulah? <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Yep. That happened. Next, we we have a match that... I'll cover that when we get to the match. <laughs> Next, we can get a match that we can um, celebrate and brag about. It was Rob Van Dam versus Two Cold Scorpio, Don't Call Me Flash Funk. Um, this match was unbelievable. Yeah, loved it. I absolutely loved this match. We put out a lot of polls, you know, on social media before, saying, what are your memories? And basically, everyone said this match everyone was just like RVD match Sabu match is amazing no I mean RVD Scorpio match is amazing RVD Scorpio match is amazing <clears throat> everyone really bragged about this was the standout match from the show and they weren't and, wrong and you're right everyone who, who tweeted at underscore sports arena on Instagram and Twitter you were absolutely right it was by far the standout match of the show yeah it was um, it's, it's hard to break down like spots but it was sometimes we have people whose styles are so like this you put them together it just doesn't doesn't yeah. work but these two it, it did work it was I don't want to say it was a passing of the torch but Scorpio was all sort of known as that guy and RVD sort of finally came across like that guy in this match where yes. he was he was just as good maybe one step ahead of Scorpio and it did feel almost like a passing of the guard kind of but then they could run it back like loads afterwards anyway. So, but no, amazing match. Loved it. I I, I loved everything bell to bell. Less less keen on the after. Yeah, so skip to the end. Uh, RVD wins, as you'd probably expect. And um, I guess he's somewhat sort of 
rags. After this, yep. he sort of goes to shake my hand. Scorpio goes to shake his hand eventually. RVD moves his hand. And I don't know, we're just getting a very arrogant RVD. So, um, yeah, so he went to shake his hand. He moved his hand. He then said, he, uh, Scorpio said something along the lines of, um, shake your hand if you, uh, I'll shake your hand and I'll admit you are the better wrestler and things like that, which was RVD liked. So he shook his hand and then Sabu was interfering and Sandman ran down and made the save and they danced and drank beers to continue the bromance that is Scorpio and Sandman. Um, We've got the famous gif. Always, if you type in ECW on, on Twitter, that <laughs> the gif of the Sandman always comes up of him dancing. And here it is. And my problem with this, I think, is because of the pace we watch ECW in the sense it's still very loud in my memory about the RVD Sabu shake my hand bullshit. What the five months of respect angles we had to go through. Yeah. So RVD shaking someone's hand, refusing to shake the hand, then shaking the hand and then refusing to shake the hand and then shaking the hand. It's a gimmick he doesn't need to go back to. And if we were watching this in real time and that was however many months ago, 18 months ago or whatever, maybe it's a nice callback. But because of the pace we're watching it, it's just a reminder of everything that I was so grateful that we'd moved away from. No, 100%. But um, match itself was amazing. We didn't get Joel Gertner um, with the Dudley boys. This is probably the best Joe Gertner intro to date, I'd say. I, uh, I, I, I feel the need to admit that I have always been an absolute fan of Joel Gertner's introductions when he when he really kind of ramps them up from, which I think is from here on in by the looks of things. Um, this seemed to be the first one where he had um, something specific, some crowd interaction. There was there was you know a real heat magnet style thing to him in this one. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. It was the best one to date, um, and I just uh, yeah, I I <laughs> I mean it was down to the, it was things like um, uh, you say about Big Dick Dudley had um, gone so hard on that mum's that that fan's mother that he's now legally his dad. Um, you know, it was it was just it was yeah. He just he just went for it. No, this is good. I mean, obviously we didn't get the TV, so I don't know if it was just purely pay-per-views he could let fly like this, because it would take up quite a lot of TV time. But, um, yeah, this is amazing. And I'm um, looking forward to the next pay-per-view to hear the next one, if not the TV. But, yeah, Joe Gertner really sort of, he come into his own. They've got their own individual introductions as well as a group one. And um, it just it adds a new dimension to Dudley Boys just being sort of heat seekers, in my opinion. Absolutely. And then the match. Uh, so, yeah. Um, actually, Axel and Balls came out next. Actually introduced as the um, chair Chess swinging freaks. freaks. I don't know if it's the first time they're referenced as that. So obviously, we reference it because we know them as. But I think this is the first time they might have officially been referenced as that on a show, which is nice. Yep. And... Um, New Jack and Spike Dudley as well, which is a, a welcome break from the gangster natives. Uh, and and is is done because Cronus has a match later on in the show with with Al Snow. Snow. Yeah, it's all. Um, sort of... Yeah, a, a very weird directional change that after pushing the gangster natives so hard. It's New Jack and Spike. Well, this is it, but for some reason they feel like a more natural fit. And I don't know whether that's because, again, watching a load of these these pay-per-views and specials when they came onto DVD and video in the UK, 
that combination I've seen far more. Them having blood feuds with the the Dudleys feels far more familiar than the gangsterators. Well, that's it. I mean, it could, like I said, it could be purely as simple as that. Just I'm used to sort of doing seeing these two together, and so therefore accept it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I mean, they they team so well together. They actually picked up the win, which is impressive. But this isn't kind of just a a carnage match, which you'd expect. To be honest with you, it's just brawls everywhere. Um, it's a fun match, and it's, it's just. It's just what you need for an ECW pay-per-view. This is sort of the first... If you haven't seen ECW before, this is the kind of match you'd expect on an ECW pay-per-view. And it's the first yeah. I've really had like this on the show because everything else has just sort of been a bit technical wrestling. Yeah. When it's sort of very much sold as this sort of extreme, sort of bloodthirsty promotion, this is the first sort of, you know hardcore match if you will and we like the fourth match in so I thought that was quite interesting I agree yeah I was um, I was good I think that's a good point but um, yeah New Jack and Spike obviously pick up the win and we'll see where they go from that um, we get just incredible music video which is fine it shows him getting beaten up a bit too much for my liking if it's a video to sort of put him over but they tend to do this but um, yeah, it shows a bit of the streak that he's going on and how he's causing all this mischief in ECW, which leads to their new ring announcer, interviewer, I guess. And special, special interviewer, yes. <clears throat> special interviewer. So Jenna Jameson comes out. Um, this is like such a hill face moment. So she comes out, just incredible music hits. Um, Jennifer tries to get an interview with him. It says, um, when you hear Beulah, who needs you? And basically walks off. And then Tommy Dreamer comes out and she's basically... She then cuts a prime about how she didn't want to speak to just incredible anyway. She's not interested in just incredible. He's a nobody. His ego's too big, blah, 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 blah. She's going to speak to someone, a, a, a true superstar. Yeah. Dreamer's music hits. Dreamer walks out. He basically just gives her a massive kiss and then just continues to walk to the ring. And she's just like, oh, Tommy. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to recap, to your point there, the heel doesn't yep. think she's as hot and therefore doesn't look twice as her because why go out for hamburger when you've got steak at home? I've got Beulah McGillagutty. Yeah. The face, who's in storyline and in real life, but in storyline, the boyfriend <clears throat> of Beulah McGillagutty. Yeah. Snogs up. Yeah, basically. And it was just so weird because it was such a... I just felt like a drunken pop, you know? Everyone there in the crowd sort of just drunk, like, hey, Tommy. If it, it took me back to the I'm hardcore, I'll take both of them, you know? And that's exactly it. it. It took me back to that moment. And I was just like... I just... I, just, I love Tommy Dreamer. I just think his character is still just so confused of what his role is. Apart from Mr. ECW. I don't know what his role is in the whole of this. It's very bizarre. No. So, um, yeah. I mean, so yeah, so we've built up before the bell was rung, before we've got into it, we have built up again. Beulah McGillicuddy did not come into the arena with Tommy Dreamer. No. Um, and Just Incredible is suggesting that he she has been at his and this is all to do with the very weird fetish that seems to be if you pile drive Beulah McGillicuddy 
she falls in love with you. Because that's what Tommy Dreamer did when she was with Raven. And that's how Tommy got Beulah. And now that Justin Credible has done that to Beulah, she is now in love with him because he is the latest person to have piled drove her, piled driven her. It's just so weird, like... And, uh, and I'll come back to this as the match goes on, but why is it needed? This, the story is that this upstart punk who wants to make a name for himself, who wants to hotshot, who, and we, we didn't touch on this last week, but, you know, all of the promos last week were, you know, maybe it's our fault. We gave him a push. We shouldn't have given him a push. But, you know, he thought he was good. We should have given him a push. It's like, fuck off with your inside terms now. Yeah. You know, so, you know it, it's, again, it's kind of, well, that's a shoot, but this, this, is, this isn't real, but this is real because I'm telling you this bit's real. So I'm telling you that we were planning to book him high on the card because we thought he was going to be a good guy and he was going to be, you know, a good wrestler. And we were going to give him a push, but he's now getting a push because he's done his own push because he's doing things cheaply. So it's not a good push like we were going to give him where we were going to give him main event slots and, and position him up, like when we did when he beat great Sasuke and things like that. But this is him taking it into himself because this is a shoot about him now trying to get a push. So as much as we were pushing him, this isn't us pushing him. This is him pushing himself because that's a shoot about pushing him. Oh God. Um, And all of that was based around the fact that because he was trying to make a name for himself and trying to get, you know, make himself famous and all the rest of it, he interrupted and insulted Tommy Dreamer when Tommy Dreamer was, was, mourning his dead granddad and that's now not enough for this it's got to be about Beulah and it's got to be about him being this punk kid who who you know is a push and Tommy's been here forever and he's earned his spot whatever that is still not held a singles title um yeah Yeah, no, like the granddad thing should have been enough. Just the disrespect aspect of it all. Yeah, and then brought of a kid, and you know, won't wait. Thinks he deserves everything. Body writing checks that his ass can't cash, kind of thing. Mouth writing checks that his body can't cash is probably the same. Um, You can do all of that. And I'm going to teach a kid that in here you have to back up your words. You can do all of that. You don't need. And then I'm going to beat up and maybe sleep with your girlfriend. And all the rest of the gubbins that comes into this match. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, it's weird. Again, like I said, it's just it's just a story on a story on a story. When they already had the story, it was there, it was done. The hottest I was for this, the most interested I was for this, still, was Beulah McGillicutty's promo. Yeah. She was smart, she was eloquent, she was succinct, she was just, you know, beautiful and sassy and just laid it out. You know, you went too far, you did this. Um, you know, congratulations! You you you've tried to be famous. Congratulations! You've you've wanted to to put a target on your back. Congratulations! Here he comes. And that was it. That that sold me. And everything after that has just made me scratch my head with it. I still do not understand. So you would have got pile pile driven by just incredible in the first blood match that these two had, not on pay-per-view. And the thing is, again, it's just like, oh, just, uh, how does he know? Like, as soon as it hit, that's it, she's gone. It's just so bizarre, because Raven yeah. just done an even flow and got her back. No, it has to be a pile driver. It has to be a pile driver. Okay. A very, you know, he could have done a sit-out pile driver, <clears> he could have a spinning pile driver. He could have done a tombstone pile driver, um, jumping pile driver, whatever he wants to do, but it has to be a pile driver. That seems to be 
the fetish. That seems to be the kink. Jerry Lawler uh, could have done it. Then. Uh, well, I'm sure Tommy Dreamer has at some point. Um, uh, uh, um, Terry Funk has at some point. Oh, it's just, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's just unnecessary angle angle. Uh, the match itself isn't actually that bad. It, it, it sort of felt like a a big time match in its own sort of sweet way, despite how we got here. Yeah. It, it had a nice feel to it, so it was good. Um, do you want to talk about Bueller's appearance in this match? Yeah, so Bueller comes out wearing a neck <laughs> brace, um, wanders down to the ring, um, playing up that she's with Justin. Um, he's thrilled to see her, doesn't look surprised to see her, which questions whether she has been there because she's playing along. So would he not think that's just anyway? Um, and then low blows him, yeah. uh, which helps turn the tide. Um, Nicole Bass then just squeezes the life out of her. Um, Nicole Bass's facials when she throws Bueller down and realises she's pretty much lost her, her boob tube top and has to pull it back up after flashing the crowd what may have been my favourite part of the match because she's doing this whole kind of like I'm mean and then you can kind of see her do this in Maris like oops um, <laughs> and I just loved I, I just it, it's it's less than a second um, but yeah Uh but yeah, so that was her involvement and didn't actually change the outcome of the match. All it did do was bring out someone else to protect her and to get involved in the match to help Tommy. Returning Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, comes out, hit with a crutch. He's then attacked. Dream it hits the DDT for the win. Yeah. Simple as that. So it's this super mega blood feud, and we've got the Bueller twist. We've got the Mikey return. Mm. Yeah, Mikey return, but Mikey return is injured, so he's not really returned. So I do. Well, that's it. I mean, they shouldn't need the double thing. I mean, always better if, like, Mikey did return, came down on crutches, but then actually, like, dropped his crutches and he was all right. That would have been a better return. Doing this weird stop-start with Just Incredible. Yeah. In the sense he lost. Um, yeah. You, you've, you've, again, pointed everyone to the feud that they can't have yet, which is Mikey versus Just Incredible. Well, that's it. It sort of sits there and makes you think that is the real... And that, again, would have been more impactful if Just Incredible hadn't beaten up Mikey Whipwreck again a few weeks ago on TV to get Tommy Dreamer's attention. Yeah. Because Mikey just was hanging out somewhere. Yeah, no, it's all. Um, it's just, it's just strange. But um, I guess we'll see the fallout. You know, it's just incredible. Dream are going to continue. Is it just a filler feud until Mikey comes back? We'll see how it plays out. Next, we've got the build for Bam Bam and Taz. We don't really need to go into the build if you want to hear. Obviously, we've covered it week by week by week by week in our past episodes, so you can do that. But the build has been. Um, been Amazing. pretty interesting, yeah. I mean, there's been some fantastic sort of one-liners from Taz. There's been a double swerve. It's it's been a great um great journey to get to this point. And uh, I, I I still think, um, having seen it done millions of times and watched it since and all the rest of it, I still think the the Taz Bam Bam Bigelow versus. Uh, the triple threat of Storm, Candido and Douglas is the perfect storytelling of how to do a turn on partner moment. Yeah. Um, 
just the and it's on our archive, so you can go back and listen. But just the the point where you realise that the only person that Bam Bam has beaten up is Lance Storm, and you know that that just level of of you know just brilliant because my you know the big argument always is if you knew you were going to turn on him why have you been beating the shit out of him for 20 minutes first exactly why have been a match the whole time you know it didn't stop you trying to you know so what after you hit your finisher you were expecting him to kick out <laughs> um so yeah it, it's all very strange but i mean that was that was brilliantly done because bam bam will only beat up and and absolutely does Lance storm um just yeah, just perfectly done. Um, they both come out again. This just screams big match because it is a big match. Um, very Bam Bam's home town, so proud are rabid for him. Hot in for Bam Bam here, similar to was to Shane Douglas to the last pay per view. <clears throat> um, strong back and forth. I said the crowd absolutely loving Bam Bam. Is a spot where sort of Taz, like Tebow, plexes um, Bam Bam into the crowd, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I said the the main bit is the end, though. It's hard to sort of skip around and say anything apart from the end. No, and and going back to that point about your uh, the, the Twitter poll out on Score Sports Arena on Instagram and Twitter um, about memorable parts of this this is quite simply the bit that stands out for me when, when you talk about living dangerously 1998 this is the the spot the moment out of all of it that, that it is is burned into my brain and again like you know we say ECW influenced everything you know this, this is the, the spot that was influenced by you know later in the years I think it was was it um, Undertaker Big Show getting chokeslam through the ring? And Yeah. I mean, and then, this, this was copied in other federations, no what they say. Various other... Hmm. The ring. Exactly. But this is the first time I ever remember seeing yes. it. And I think it must be the first time. So basically, the spot that we're happening is basically they're brawling in the ring. Um, I guess it's almost like a swinging DDT, sort of. It's not a suplex, is it? What the person through? Yeah. So um, Bam Bam goes for greetings from Asbury Park. Yeah. Uh, Taz slides up and over to reverse, so he's facing Bam Bam's back. Locks in the Taz mission. Jumps up oh, because Taz is so yeah. and and grape vines to hold on. Bam Bam holding onto the rope, starts staggering, turns his back to the referee so he can't see. You can see that he's tapping. Wanders back, collapses backwards, and drives. Taz through the ring uh, whilst the Taz mission is locked on. That was the one. But um, again, it's so smart because obviously to the hard camera and to the people at home, you can see that Bam Bam's tapping. tapping. So Taz is still strong. The move is still strong. It's the ref that sort of screwed Taz. Yeah. Exactly. So you go through the ring have a little bit of time where it's just nothingness, everyone going mental, you know, Joey Styles going mental, fans going mental, with this hole in the corner of the ring, the rest, uh, the wrestlers are gone, you then see Bam Bam emerge and come out of it, knowing that Bam Bam landed on Taz, by the way, they're positioned, so Bam Bam's the first out, the crowd's going crazy, Bam Bam then drags Taz out, and um, pins Taz. Yep. And it's a title change that no one really expected, I don't think. No, I think when we were first talking about Bam Bam in, in ECW, I think we, we did a bit and we said about him not holding any singles titles and how much of a shame it was that, you know, in his run, in his entire career, he never really held any titles apart from um, WCW Tag with um, as part of the Jersey Triad. Um, we, were, we were hugely wrong. I mean, he's, he's, he's hurtling down towards Triple Clown right now at this point. Oh, massively. He's done um, a tremendous heavyweight. Well 
in like no time at all. Mm. <clears throat> so yeah, he he picks up the title. Um, such an iconic ending. I mean, you'll see this on almost every ECW highlight video for the complete run of the company now. It's it's that sort of. It's just a massive, massive spot which was executed perfectly. You know, the story's there that you know Bam Bam did land on Taz. It makes sense that Taz is going to be in worse shape. But Bam Bam was tapping just before the ref didn't see it, so Taz technically should have won. There's loads of good moments that came from this like final sort of yeah. couple of minutes of the match. Uh, so the ring is now broken and unrepairable. We cut to the back with Joey Styles losing his mind. Heyman's losing his mind. Um, earlier on in the show, they basically said that Julian Kane's match between Sabu and Sandman was pulled from the show by the pay-per-view people because it was just too violent and they didn't want it shown <clears throat> and all this. But Heyman's basically running there saying, play the match, play the match. And Joe Styles is like, we can't. And he goes, I don't care, play the match. And they basically put on the Jordan Kane's match from earlier on, which I thought was an incredible way to build this match. Uh, I yes, I mean I I didn't understand why it was able to be shown on TV, albeit edited, but not on pay per view. Um, but that aside, and and you know that whole thing is is shenanigans just to get you to where it is. Um, that aside, it was. Um, uh, it was a great way to, to hype and build the match. I don't think, well, I, I don't know if we'll cover it, so I'll, I'll mention it here. I don't think the um, tension between Styles and Heyman afterwards was needed. No, I don't. I don't at all. You can, you can deal with, you know, I do my job and I'm, and I'm not going to do this anymore. And you deal with the, when we're back in the offices, you deal with the complaints from the Yeah, I just don't do the commentary. I've got an office job here as well and I'm not protecting you anymore. Yeah, all yeah. that was a bit like, okay, cool. Building a feud between Heyman and, and Joey Styles that we don't need and we, we never will see or want to see. So, yeah. Um, the match itself is fine. Um, beginning bit was brilliant. Basically, Sandman attacks Sabu um, wearing red. It turns out it's not Sabu. It's actually Rob Van Dam dressed as Sabu. Yeah. I thought it was a really good double switch. Um, they then proceed to double team and beat up Sandman. Yep. Yeah. Um, Alfonso, I think, tells Rob Van Dam to go to the back because he's got a match later on. Yeah. Again, this is shots yes. out of order. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously this is, like I said, I think this much have been the first match of the card for the audience. So that happened. Um, the match goes on, back and forth, like we've seen before. Pretty brutal match. Not so brutal that it can't be on pay-per-view, but brutal nonetheless. Sandman's <clears throat> beginning to get the upper hand. RVD yep. comes back out. Yeah, just absolutely appears on the screen in a flying kick that manages to knock the Sandman's head off. It's unbelievable. RVD just clears the table that's set up. Um, just incredible kick. Um, and the finish comes when they do the flog splash face buster combo through a table, which doesn't feel very Julian Caney. There wasn't many Canes involved in a Julian Canes match. No. It started off very cane orientated and then as soon as it was kind of an RVD reveal, it was kicks and chairs. And tables. Yeah, and, and the, the Canes element of Julian Canes disappeared. Yeah, no, I agreed, but um, I felt the end was a fantastic spot. The, the double sort of thing, I'm so happy that's what ended the match. Because it was part of me that thought the Sandman was going to kick out. Uh, part of me wanted him to just because, I mean, he must be oh for about 16 in this feud now. Yeah. 
Um, Gone are the days of the first time ever, eh? <laughs> that was a thing. It was. Yeah, and this thing, so it's, we're now into, you know, every other week, it, it's Sam Man job into Sabu. Basically, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Sabu won. And uh, we go marching on, obviously. We go back, we have the Joey Styles spat that you said about. But they're still going to go ahead with the main event, even though the ring is broken. Yes, so, but what they've had to do is cancel Al Snow versus Cronus. Yeah. Which was the match that was meant to follow Taz versus Bam Bam. <clears throat> and because they weren't able to fix the ring in time, they are, can't do that match, which is why they threw to the, the, the recorded Julian Kane's match. So Al Snow versus Cronus has been cancelled. It was scheduled. We know it's been scheduled all the way through. It's the reason why it's, it wasn't the Gangstonators because Cronus has a match. It's scheduled all the way through. Everyone knows that match was scheduled and it's now not happening. Yeah, that match was definitely going to happen. Um, oh, I've, I've, the... I've really laid on heavily that that was scheduled. I wonder if that's going to come into play later on. So all the crowd's got the um, the heads going mental. Yep. Um, so the triple threat come out separately. Chris Candido, followed by his, uh, uh, well, what's his mystery partner, but dream partner or well, partner of choice. Yeah, it was a mystery partner, but he chose him and declared him ages ago. So, yeah, Shane Douglas, the world heavyweight champion, great choice. Lance Storm comes out with Sunny, and she basically <laughs> grabs the mic and says that she's his mystery partner. Yeah, she beats Candido up at home and now she's going to do it in the ring. Yeah, and um, I don't don't really know. Like, it's just so silly. So Styles thought this was the, the most genius thing in the world. <clears throat> yeah. Because Candido's not going to hit Sonny. And Candido's not going to let Shane Douglas hit Sonny. Yep. So... Lance Storm has picked a partner who cannot be beaten up and therefore cannot lose, therefore must win. So this is genius. And he's always loved Sully because this is how clever she is. And it's genius. Yeah. And all this builds because Lance Storm has started. It starts the match really strong pace, really good work, you know, just, so good and um, him and Candido just are incredible together Um, him and Shane Douglas are very good but him and Candido just have such chemistry they're so crisp you know their movements are just amazing Um, you know superplexes super kicks um, just really really good and then after you know a little bit of a beat down and a comeback um does the clever thing and tags in Sonny. Which means this, this match is as good as one because, as we said, you know, Candido won't hit Sonny. Douglas won't hit Sonny. Sonny will beat Candido up because she does at home anyway because um, domestic violence is fun, kids. Um, and she comes in. Uh, Storm is holding Candido. She comes in with the cookie sheets that she came down with goes to hit and builds it up before going to hit Candido. It was like the weirdest, um, most obvious turn. Yeah, I mean, it got signposted to a point of stupidity in the sense of, you know, the angle she moved to meant that she couldn't have hit him if she wanted to. And then he didn't quite, you know, roll out of the way or anything. He kind of just, walked off in a different direction and Lance Storm stood there as Sonny quite obviously went and did what Sonny was going to do. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, so basically then he's getting attacked by everyone. Chris Dandito's got the mic, um, sort of goaded him, going off. So, yeah, so Shane Douglas kind of has a recliner on him. Yeah. Um, Candido's got the mic in his face. 
this was your plan all along. You know, it was never going to happen. She was never going to choose you over me. Um, you know, she loves me. She's my wife, blah, 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 blah. Um, just really weird parallels to another guy doing super kicks. Um, and then some like say, you know, so what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? Is this what you were going to give me? What are you going to give me? And he sort of mumbles out, I'm going to give you head. And from this moment on, the match becomes unwatchable. So, uh, so Joey then builds this up. Joey Styles is, is, is beside himself because Lance Storm has outthought the triple threat. He knew that Sonny was going to turn on him and therefore had put in place the real surprise and the real partner, which is Al Snow, who's come out and is cleaning house and beats him up and, you know, uses head to knock down um, uh, Francine and, 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 and. Yeah. Now, if this was the plan all along, if the ring didn't get broken, if Cronus and Al Snow had happened, was Al Snow still the mystery partner? Yeah, he knew all of it. He worked, He knew everything. Could he have told New Jack so the gangster natives could have had a run? He knew everything that was happening. Lance Storm had thought of it all. Um, it was a lot. It, it was a lot, and it was a lot that Al Snow would have literally <clears throat> worked two matches in a row. That would have been um, hard, but um, it's. And if like you said, knew, if you knew that Sonny was going to to turn on you, and everyone was in on this, why did you let yourself get smashed in the head with a cookie sheet when? You knew that's what she was going to do. Why not? Why not? When Sonny turned around and said, "I'll be your partner," say, "No." No. That's it. Just no. Fuck off. You're going to turn on me. No, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll have a proper partner. Thank you. Because <coughs> <coughs> then they'll do this, and I'll do that, and then they'll do this, and I'll do that, and then they'll do this, and I'll do that. And and then they're most likely to ask me what I'm going to give them, and that gives me that real opportunity to to. Or was he just offering oral sex to get out of being beaten up? Well, that's what we don't know. I mean, Al Snow might have been coming out to make the save or to fight off Jimmy. Hugely misunderstanding. He was he was offering <clears throat> to, to to Chris Candido. But, um, yeah, no, Al Snow, this is, I guess this is the beginning of the crazy camera angles. And I don't know if it's just because I was feeling poorly this week, but I, I literally couldn't watch it. So I, I, I'm not feeling poorly this week and I found it very difficult to watch because it's not just the crazy camera angles and it's not just the jump cuts and it's not just the upside downs and all the rest of it. It's the, the really jerky in and out, zoom it's it's the it's the lot the the presentation they're doing about this on the edge kind of you know whoa kind of thing um distracts from the match distracts from the match in a way that i've always found new jack's song distracts from the match but new jack's song's fairly easy in the sense that you can you can work around that in various ways um when it's the visuals of it it's far harder um, his music seemed to go on an incredibly long time as well. Um, that doesn't help that it's not actually the music. It's it's a WWE interpretation of the music. So that's yeah. quite jarring as well. So it was a very uncomfortable experience. Agreed. It was just like... Um... It was just so rough. I mean, Lance Storm and Al Snow picked up the victory, which is great. But um, it, it left me with, with such nothingness, this match. It really did. And like I said, it became, the visuals and that became just so unbearable. Like you said, with this, the camera angles. And I understand 
that they wanted different. They were doing this and they're experimenting. It just felt a bit lot for the main event of a pay per view to take this gamble, in my opinion. I, I so the thing that occurred to me as as this closed was this was a dream slash mystery partner match. This wasn't splitting the tag titles, which I, for some reason I had assumed it was going to be until it was obviously it wasn't. So it's not that Lance Storm and Al Snow are now the tag team champs because they won. This was a non-title match. So they're still tag champs, even though they hate each other and blah, blah, blah. Even though they could have at this point ratified that. Yeah, no, 100%. <clears throat> it's just, um, I don't know, it's just, just a bit of a sour and note. Obviously, the Bam Bam Taz match, fantastic. RVD, Scorpio style the show. This one, I was looking forward to it because I've, I've sort of enjoyed the build. And I was just left with just a nothingness taste in my mouth. Uh, and again, you know, so we're, we're into this crazy push for Al Snow. He, he picks up a win against Shane Douglas here. Um Spoilers, Wrestlepalooza, he goes on to challenge Shane Douglas for the championship. Um, may I ask again, why is he in the job squad? <laughs> why is he the job squad? Yeah. No, it's, um, no it is interesting because, yeah, it doesn't really... He's got an upper main event push. But it was the same when the job squad were in WWE, though. They started all winning matches. Yeah, but they were based on the fact that they were all losing matches in the first place. Sure. We've never had that with Al Snow. He's been hot since the moment he landed. Mm. I mean, he lost a match against RVD once. Yeah, and that's when we said he shouldn't have been on TV because it was a week before he was really sort of unleashed. But... um. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, pay-per-view as a whole, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it wasn't loads of great matches. It felt like it had a few duds on it, if I'm honest. The opening match did nothing for me. Um, the main event did nothing for me. I enjoyed um, Dreamer just incredible as a match, ignoring all the stupidness that surrounded it. Um, RVD was Scorpio stole the show. Taz Batman. Obviously, yeah. amazing. Jordan Kane had some good moments, but I thought I more enjoyed the RVD moments than the actual match. Yeah. It? So it was it was like some good, but it's just um, yeah. The main I'd, event. I'd say three and a half matches out of the card were, were good, and, and I would I'd, I'd give the card as on the whole. I'd say I enjoyed it on the whole, but yeah, yeah like if you actually added up, you know, I I wasn't into FBI versus. Um, Lynn and Chetty. I enjoyed Tanaka versus Furnace, but not enough to, to say it was a good match. Uh, Scorpio versus Arvidel, I thought was brilliant. The three-way tag match, nothing there for me. Uh, Dreamer versus Credible, I, I enjoyed on the whole, but I found the ending far too com convoluted. Exactly. Paz versus Bam Bam, I thought was great. Kane's Julian Kane's match. Um, the moment, the, the high spot of the match was the reveal that it was RVD. Yeah. After that, it was diminishing returns of the fact that it was another two on one match, and you know, Sandman loses again. And then the main event was just messy storytelling, messy camera angles, messy noise, messy logic, messy, messy, messy. Yeah. Um, overall, not a bad show though. Like I said they're getting they're getting better, I guess. And it's it's a pay per views because the pay per views have been very hit and miss, as most pay per views are. But um, I would have ended it with Bam Bam Taz personally. I felt that was the pop. I felt like that was the moment going off air that you saw something so extreme that it stuck in your head and you're like, what the hell? And I think if it's the only title up for grabs on the card because as we've just discussed the tag titles isn't a championship match and the heavyweight <clears throat> title isn't being defended I think you could get away with it being 
the main event because it's the only one on the card. Um, I think um, Candido could have come out first in the first match and said, I don't want to wait till later. Lance Storm, we're ready. Who's your mystery partner? And that would have worked well as an opening match. You didn't have to tease that Al Snow was meant to have a match all night. Yeah. It, it didn't, it was not that big a thing. I didn't think. No. No, I didn't think so. They could have got that done first. Like I said, just if you rejig the order, I don't know, I think it could have been completely stellar all the way through. But, um, yeah. No, interesting. Um, Yeah, next week, obviously, we're back to more hardcore TV to find out the fallout from this show, which I'm very looking forward to do. Uh, Triple Threat have all the gold now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of unfolds. Um, If you'd like to comment and get involved make sure you can do on instagram and twitter at underscore sports arena that is us where we be posting about ecw and modern day products uh, mostly mlw journal tibia and um maybe talk a little bit about 2k19 ecw lives which is great it really is um yeah apart from that any final thoughts um I think that the triple threat are are hot and with all the titles and I can see it being a long time before any of that changes. (laughs) We'll find out next week for more Extreme Rewind. Relive the revolution with us. See you next week. Bye.